Okay. Jeremiah, most people probably know Jeremiah and think he was a bullfrog. Yeah, a good friend of yours, too. Oh, the younger people, they didn't hear that song. That's an old song that I don't even know who made it popular, but someone made that popular a long time ago. Jeremiah was a young man when he was called to do the work of the Lord. And when you read verse 4 of Jeremiah, let me take and uh, pull over to that passage. Let's see if I can get into some light here. Right, there we go. we got a little bit better light. In verse number 4, it reads to this effect. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were, were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, this is letting us know about Jeremiah's call. Need a little more closeness? It doesn't pick up too far away. Here, let's try like that. Jeremiah was called before he was even conceived. God had a plan for his life before he even was born. Now, if that's true of Jeremiah, it's probably true of everybody because God loves his creation. And so when we think about our lives and we think about what we're doing, you should recognize the fact that God knows he's got every hair on our head count, counted, it says. Of course, he has to keep track of me because I keep losing more, so it's easier for him. But still, he has everything about us. He knows. I mean, if God can create the universe, I mean, he can take care of the little details. You, th- you think about it. I mean, if you ever go out at nighttime, of course, in Chicago, it's hard to see the stars. But when you go out in the country and you look up there and you see the just millions and millions of stars and you see the, the galaxies and it went through the telescope and you, they're just really amazing. Uh, I have a pretty good-sized telescope, and so, you know, you can, I can get the Andromeda galaxy pretty good and, I've seen the Whirlpool Galaxy through my telescope, and I just sit there and marvel at the creation of God. Jeremiah was called before he was born. But Jeremiah, he had a tough ministry. Jeremiah preached a message for 40 years before it happened. 40 years. So he's preaching to the people If you don't repent, bad things are going to happen to you. And year after year after year, nothing bad happened. Can you imagine having that task where God says, Go out there and tell the people the world's coming to an end next next year if you don't repent. But year after year after year, nothing happens bad. And the people were starting to say, Oh, man, Jeremiah, he's crying. Woof. You've heard that expression. And so, as Jeremiah goes through his, his, his preaching, he really becomes frustrated. Can you imagine that? A servant of the Lord being frustrated with God. Now, none of you have ever been frustrated about what God does in your life, right? Everything's always gone hunky-dory for you. So, finally, Jeremiah, in chapter 20, he... He gets to a point in his life where he is just totally put out by God. Can, can you imagine that? You know, I, when, when people have bad things happen in their life, one of the difficult tasks that, that a pastor has to do is allow that person to be mad at God. And you say, well, wait a minute, how can you be mad at God? Well, think about it. If, if you have a child 
and it dies of leukemia at the age of five, don't you think you'd be a little mad at God? Or if a drunk driver runs over one of your family members and kills them, like happened to myself, don't you think you'd be a little mad at God? And so a lot of times people think, well, I can't be mad at God because he's God. But people are mad at God. And that's why they don't come to church. They're angry at God because whatever circumstance in life occurred to them, they blame God for what happened. Jeremiah is no different. He's like you and I. He feels, he thinks, he has the same emotions as everyone in this room. So when we get to chapter 20, it says, When the priest of Pasher, son of Immer, the chief officer of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. He was prophesying, by the way, these things were, if you guys don't repent, bad things are going to happen. He had the prophet Jeremiah beaten and put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin and at the Lord's temple the next day. And when Pasher released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Pasher, but Megagora Mishbib. For this is what the Lord says, I will make you a terror to yourself and to your friends, and with your own eyes you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. And I will hand all of Judah over to the king of Babylon, who will carry away uh, them away to Babylon and put them to the sword. And I will hand over to the enemies of all, uh, the enemies all the wealth of the city and all of its products and all of its valuables, and all of its treasures in the king of Judah, and they will be taken away as plunder and carried off to Babylon. And you, Pasher, and all who live in your house will go into exile in Babylon, and there will, you will die and, and be buried, and you and your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. Now, just think about this. Jeremiah has just been put in stocks, beaten, and probably left overnight in these stocks. The minute he gets out, what's he do? He says the exact same thing that got him put in the stocks. Well, that's pretty. That's a pretty brave soul to just sit there and do that. You're criticizing the guy who locked you up in stocks and beat you, and you're telling him that he's going to go into captivity and bad things are going to happen to him and that he's a liar. I don't know. That didn't seem. That's like when a police officer pulls you over. You know, you sit there and say, I wasn't speeding, and I didn't run through that red light. What's that going to get you? It's going to get you in jail faster than anything you know. Right, Ricky? <laughs> Instead, you sit there and say, yes, officer, how can I help you? Is there anything I can do? you need a cup of coffee or donut? You know, whatever. You know, of course, if the girls, you know, they bat those eyes and start crying. I didn't mean to. You know, and, you know, that's their technique, you know. That doesn't work too good if you're a guy, though. Don't start crying. So Jeremiah, instead of saying, hey, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, he says, man, you are going to go into captivity and everything you have is going to be taken away from you. And you're, besides that, you're a liar. So Jeremiah, he probably went home. He's home and he's in his, his uh, little apartment house. And then he says this to the Lord. Oh, Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. And he's talking about God. He says, God, you tricked me. You deceived me. You lied to me. Whoa. I didn't know Jeremiah had, uh, had that in him. And you overpowered me and prevailed. 
and I am ridiculed all the day, and everyone mocks me. Here he is, he's having a big pity party for himself. God, you called me to do ministry, and everyone's making fun of me. That's what he said. And when I speak, I cry out and proclaim violence and destruction, so that the word of the Lord, uh, so that the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all the day long. So he's saying, "Listen, you told me to go preach that bad things are going to happen because the people are sinning. When I do that, all they do is make fun of me, they mock me, they reproach me, and it's all your fault." Pretty strong words. But I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a, sh- a fire that is shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And I hear many whisperings and terror on every side. So let's look at this. He's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? God, you give me this message. And I get so sick and tired of preaching this message. So I try not to preach this message. But when I do, it's like, it's like it builds up in me to the point I can't stand it no more. I'm on, it's just like I'm on fire and I have to say something. And when I do, then everyone makes fun of me again. And this happens over and over and over for 40 years. Man, that's a, that's a ministry. Didn't even have any converts. 40-year church plant and he's got himself. That's, now, that's what I call real success. Well, how many is in your church? Uh, me. How many believe your message? Me. Forty years. He ministered this word. Now, let's see what he says here in verse number 10. I whisper, uh, I hear many whisperings, terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him. All of my friends are waiting for me to slip and say, perhaps he will be deceived and then we'll prevail over him and take our revenge on him. Now, I don't know about you, but if, you're, if all you have for your friends is people that want to stab you in the back, I just don't know if I would have the nerve to call them friends. Do you hear what he said? He says, even my friends are looking for me to trip up so they can stab me in the back and, and get me thrown in jail or whatever the punishment would be. Perhaps he will be deceived. Oh, we read that. Verse 11. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my prosecutors will stumble and not prevail. And they will fall thoroughly disgraced, and their dishonor will never be forgotten. So he's saying, okay, Lord, at least you protect me from these people who want to kill me. At least that's one good thing. But let's continue on to see how depressed Jeremiah really is. O Lord Almighty, you came, excuse me, O Lord Almighty, you who examined the righteous and probed the heart of the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. So, check this out. He says, Okay, Lord, I'm preaching this stuff. You had better get them when it's all said and done. If I'm gonna, if I've been doing this for 40 years, and I'm sick and tired of it. Nobody listens to me. Nobody will repent. Nobody wants to do what I ask them to do. You had better at least make vengeance happen to them because I've been saying it for 40 years. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's a little perturbed. Sing to the Lord and praise the Lord. 
He rescues my life from the needy and from my hand from the wicked. Now here, verse 14. This is the real crucial verse. Cursed be the day I was born. May my day, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you a son. Jeremiah is saying here, I wish I was never born. Here's a guy who's saying these kind of things. Man, I want to go commit suicide. I'm just sick of living. That's what Jeremiah's saying. He's saying, God, you have tormented me. You have deceived me. You have made me preach this message that nobody will listen to. Every time I open my mouth, they make fun of me and they mock me. God, I just hate this life. I wish I was never born. You know people like that today? Man, Jeremiah is saying, I don't want to live no more. So don't want to live no more. That's a, that's a double negative. He, that means he wouldn't live forever. I don't want to live anymore. There we go. We got it right. Wow. You know, I thought this guy was a big prophet, you know, a really important guy who knew God really well and never had problems. Let me tell you, there is no such place on the planet. Everybody goes through these periods of ups and downs. And sometimes those downs seem like they're never coming back. You're at the bottom, and man, you keep digging deeper. It seems like everything around you is just crumbling. And it's and it's and it seems so hopeless. You know what? If Jeremiah experienced that, and he was a great man of God, when you experience those trials and tribulations, when you experience those depressing moments, when you feel like no one cares, and when you feel like there's no hope, just remember, Jeremiah felt the same way, but God made him into a great prophet of the Lord. So, well, you know, a, a lot of people in here have loved ones that are not saved, family members that are not saved, and and they usually make fun of you, don't understand. You know, they, that's a weird church over there, you know. They have good time. What's wrong with them people? Go to church and have a good time. It's incongruent with their thinking. They think you should come to church and be bored. They think you should come to church and just sit there, okay, let's go home. But we come here and we love worshiping the Lord. And so when, when family members and when the sinners don't understand why you love the Lord, just remember that Jeremiah had it a lot worse than you did. Because I don't, I don't think anyone's been put in stocks lately for believing in Jesus. And I don't think anyone's been uh, thrown in jail for loving Jesus. That day may come, but it's not here today. It happens in other countries, but not here. So we're blessed in this country to be able to worship the Lord in freedom and worship the Lord without having to worry about being thrown in jail. So to give you an idea of what happened with Jeremiah, Jeremiah takes and he keeps preaching this message. And he keeps preaching this message. And he had one message that he preached over and over and over again. And that was that destruction's coming. But he says it really eloquently in chapter 7. Chapter 7, he reads, it reads this way. Hear the word of the Lord, 
all you people of Judah who came through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The God of Israel says, reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, this is the temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord. If you change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, and if you do not oppress the alien and the fatherless and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow the other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place. Let me tell you what Jeremiah was trying to tell these guys. They were believing false lies. False lies. That's kind of redundant. They were believing lies. They believed just because we have the temple and just because we have the heritage of our forefathers and King David, nothing bad will happen to us. It kind of reminds me of people who go to church twice a year on Easter and on Christmas and they think they're okay with God. And they live the lie because they deceive themselves. Just like Jeremiah says here, do not trust in deceptive words. Temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord. That's kind of like saying, well, you know, my mama goes to church and I go to church and therefore I'm okay. You know people like that. They are trusting in deceptive words. And Jeremiah said, if you do, you will be destroyed. And so many people, so many people go through life with this attitude. Hey, I'm a good person. I don't hurt nobody. My grandfather was like this. He got saved about two weeks before he died at 92. So for 92 years, you try to talk to him about Jesus. And he would just sit there and say, hey, listen, I'm better than those people who go to church. I don't think, I've ever, I don't think he ever went to church in his entire life. Yet he was, a, you know, you'd want to buy a car off my grandfather. He'd say, well, this is a pretty good car, but it leaks here and it's got this bad problem over here. And that's the kind of guy he was. You know, grew up in the Depression. He was an honest guy. Thought that being good was good enough. We witnessed him, my, 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 my dad, myself, my brothers, we witnessed that guy for, I don't know, 30 years in my, during my adult life. And it was two weeks before he died that he finally realized, you know what, I need Jesus. And then he died two weeks later. Why wait? Why do people wait till they can't do anything for God? That's like, it's crazy. I just don't know how to say it. That's crazy. There's nothing better than serving the Lord your entire life and not giving him the scraps at the end of your life. Jeremiah said, don't trust in deceptive words. When you hear the world around you give you deceptive words, just remember that they all end in tragedy. You know, people, they have an attitude that what's in it for me today? And I'm going to talk about that in the service today. You know, what's in it for me? We have a culture that's What's in it for me? We have politicians that say, I'll tell you what's in it for you. I'll give you money. Just elect me. 
What are you going to do for me, Mr. Politician? Are you going to give me a new car? Oh, man, I'll vote for you then. Give me a new car. Put gas in my tank. Deceptive words. It's illusion. It leads to destruction. The world is an illusion. They offer an illusion. They offer fame. It's an illusion. Just ask Michael Jackson. It's an illusion. What you do for God will live for eternity. Living for God brings righteousness to your life. It's not easy. I just showed you. Jeremiah said, God, you didn't tell it to me straight. I thought this was supposed to be easy. You know, when the preachers preach, they say, you know, it's real easy. Just come down and accept Jesus. The little footnote, though, is then you've got to live like Jesus. Living like Jesus is a little more challenging than saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. So be prepared. Be prepared to be like Jeremiah and say, you know what, God? I'm not, I'm not deceived. I know that this is tough. I know that living a life of righteousness is difficult because all of the peers around you that don't serve Jesus think that you're stupid. They think that you're, man, why don't you have a good time? But they don't realize that you're having a good time and they go home with hangovers. See, sin is an illusion of a good time. I don't know. I, you know, I, I've, I've, never, I've never had alcohol in my entire life. Never touched it. Even as a kid, never touched it. Even when it was offered to me by my dad, I didn't touch it. Because uh, I thought beer smelled like urine, so it didn't make sense to drink it. You know, just a personal preference there. Before I knew better. But then when I was a teenager, I became a Christian. And, and, and there are standards by which we can live by that the world says it's crazy. When I tell people I've never taken a drug except aspirin, you know, something like that, you know, an allergy medicine or something like that, you know, no illegal drugs. They sit there and say, what? How could you do that? Everybody does that. No, everybody doesn't do it. And everybody doesn't drink alcohol. And if you don't, you're a better man or a woman than those who do because they are weak and they are tempted by an illusion. Stand stand up for Jesus. Be like Jeremiah. And in the face of mocking and criticism and depression because no one thinks that that, that you know what you're doing, stand up for Jesus and recognize one thing. They are living the illusion. You are living in reality. And you'll never, you'll never regret living for Jesus. I'm telling you, people who live in the world regret their lives. People who live for Jesus never regret their lives. I'm telling you, I've been living for Jesus for almost 50 years. No, 40 years. I don't, th- I don't think there's anyone in here that was alive when I got saved. Ishmael's probably the oldest one in here besides me, right? 
Okay, there we go. I, I didn't see. David, how old are you? See? I was born again before he was born. I'm telling you, I've lived for Jesus all these years and never have regretted a moment of it because it's the best thing you can do. Well, Jeremiah's a great guy, but he was not a bullfrog. Who sang that song? Anyone know? David, see, you should know that because you know, you're older. I don't, I don't remember who sang it either. I didn't listen to secular music. I just happened to know that that was one that was always going around saying, you know, well, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time we can come and worship the Lord by reading the Scripture and by praising your name. Bless the church service. Bless all those present today, Father. Let them catch a hold of the vision of how great you are in Jesus' name. Amen.